Today we will be talking about The Matrix Resurrections, or as I once upon a time theorized the fourth movie would be titled The Matrix Regurgitated. It kind of was The Matrix Regurgitated. So, general story recap. This whole thing is spoilers, by the way. So, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, what are you doing listening to a podcast about it? Ooh, uh, we did not do a spoiler <laughs> warning for Bebop. No, we did not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whoops. Uh, anyway, uh, general story recap is The Matrix has been remade with more of an emotional center by a computer program that harvested Neo and Trinity's bodies, reconstructed them, and plugged them into a new matrix to also make electricity for their machines after a machine versus machine civil war had broken out over allying with the humans after the third one. All this is told and not shown, by the way. Neo in the Matrix acting as a new battery is brainwashed in such a way to think that the Matrix is a video game series he made. And he goes to work every day and does his thing and everything's super weird because he keeps seeing through the Matrix. In the end, he gets he gets released from the Matrix, then really wants Trinity back. And they get Trinity out of the Matrix, and then that's the end? D did I get everything? Is that the whole movie? Uh, yeah. I mean, you could summarize it in a much shorter way of... You, you summarize it now. I want to hear your summary. In a world where a movie shouldn't be made... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm done. I'm done. No, no, that was a good start. I want to hear the rest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay. I'll get serious. I'll get serious. In a world where a movie shouldn't be made, the audience must choose to take the blue pill or the red pill. One will allow you to enjoy a bad movie. The other will allow you to enjoy the movie that should have been made instead. Uh, so, and it, basically, The Matrix Resurrections was the story of justifying bringing Neo and Trinity back onto the screen. And as such, a whole lot of fourth wall breaking narrative needed to happen to make people question reality, to justify a convoluted pat on the back for the writers and this is done very very bluntly in front of the audience because you're actually in a writer's room while it's happening and the actual story of the matrix resurrections is quite simply that Neo and Trinity's bodies are being used as a tool by the analyst, which is a program to make electricity. To get more electricity. <laughs> and there are a bunch of humans that are a new kind of edgy living in the real world that are still super into Neo. 
and once they get a hold of Neo, are willing to throw their lives away so that he can get the girl again. Uh, I could tell that we both really didn't care for the fourth wall breaking video game developing aspect of it. Yeah, I I think I could have been okay with that had it been much shorter. I think they actually needed to show the video game. See, that could have been fun playing in the video game for, you know, like 10 minutes and then walking away from the computer and been like, all right, that's enough of the Matrix for today. You know, like maybe that. that could have been their shtick. Maybe they could have had a scene where it really felt like you were there or something. I, I don't know. Uh, I definitely felt that the Matrix Resurrections is missing some kind of piece, that piece or some kind of twist on the filmmaking because in the first one it was the bullet time effect and it was just the way that they would move the camera around something in a split second that was their like interesting thing that they did it confuses me why they wouldn't have tried to do something different in this one especially with all the like motion capture and real looking cg and stuff that we can do now that we couldn't do back then and they didn't have the budget for back then it's it's weird to me it it feels lacking because there should be some kind of visual gimmick. Well, they do have a visual gimmick. The analyst incorporates bullet time, and it is, you know, basically freezing the world into moving at that fraction of a second. And so it's just the version from the originals to an extreme. It's and just the flash. It's the flash. that The dude wanted to be a speedster. Yeah, it's it's uh what's his name? Neil Patrick Harris? Yeah. It's Neil Patrick Harris, The Flash. It was his audition to DC. Oh, oh wait, I guess we're saving likes for the end. Sorry, we're saving likes for the end. We're just going to focus on the lame stuff right now. So oh, it's going to okay, be really we're... really moody in this section of the podcast. We're getting into the moody section. Okay, okay, okay. So, yeah. what I hated about The Matrix Resurrections was the Matrix Resurrections. Oh, the whole thing? The whole thing altogether? I struggle... Or the fact that they resurrected them. I'm okay with the fact they resurrected them, because in a world where you're basically saying that reality is a program and that we are all digital constructs that are living these fake lives and all that... It's very easy for me to look at it like the internet. And what do we always tell kids? Be careful what you put on the internet, because once it's there, it's there forever. You can't delete it. And so it makes sense that there would be versions of Neo and versions of Trinity that just wouldn't be deleted, that would exist forever. And that something as brilliant as the machines and a program as clever as the analyst would be able to capitalize on that. I think that that makes perfect sense that it could have happened, but I wish that it would have either had Neo and Trinity's real-world selves actually be dead and they were just resurrected in the Matrix, or for there to be some even heavier-handed Messiah stuff going on to justify them being recreated versus the machines being like, oh yeah, we, we did this 
nonchalantly. So I really disliked all the retelling of the first Matrix movie. It just seemed a little... A lot of the first act of this movie seemed really heavy-handed. If I was to say what I disliked about the movie, it's definitely the first act. I remember watching it and thinking you could have started it at the end of the first act and you wouldn't have really lost anything. I almost fell asleep many times in the beginning. Fourth wall breaking stuff, yeah, sure, whatever. It just definitely jarred me and took me out of the movie. And while that's happening, they're introducing the new Agent Smith body. And I found that to be really distracting to uh, accept the character as Smith, as Smith while you're also simultaneously breaking the fourth wall. And it's like, I'm not... I'm in effect not taking this actor seriously. Just the whole being a video game of the movie thing made it hard for me to suspend my disbelief. Agreed. We struggled to incorporate into their uh, just buy it. <clears throat> they they didn't sell it well. I have on my on my list uh, slow mo sunglasses. Okay. Okay. <laughs> One important note on Agent Smith was that they did want the original actor to come back and that they were in talks to get him, but it ultimately didn't work out for uh, scheduling purposes. And so then with his blessing, they created the movie. And I do think that parts of that would have been a lot better had we, the audience, been staring at Agent Smith on screen, you know, and like, it's him. I think that it would have gone much better for us. Or if <clears throat> they sacrificed their star power and put some random person in Neo's chair and had everybody refer to him as Mr. Anderson so that we, the audience, would know that it was... Uh, Mr. Anderson was Neo, but it wasn't Keanu Reeves. And so we'd be watching this going, what the hell? This is weird. What are you doing to me? Give me, I know that Keanu Reeves is in this movie. You know, they could have done that for us and made this whole section much shorter. And then, you know, they wouldn't have completely wasted the guy. They probably spent too much money to get back into the movie. And it would have felt the same level of uncomfortable as agent Smith. And, you know, then you could have had him standing in front of the mirror. And instead of seeing the random bald guy, we would see Keanu Reeves in the mirror. And it'd be that like, Whoa, that'd be cool. On? I did. I did enjoy that weird, uh, uh, reflection thing. So what I didn't enjoy was the old person makeup for Niobe. I thought that was awful. Yeah. Just in general. It was so hard to pay attention to what she was saying. And uh, her old people acting wasn't super... Uh, it's not that it wasn't good. It's just it was super uneven. And it was like sometimes I didn't really buy that she was very old. And sometimes it's like, okay, that was pretty good. But the makeup just really... was hard to suspend my disbelief. It didn't feel like a blockbuster. It felt very B-rate movie. It felt college production because it's definitely better than anything I could have done. Definitely better than anything a high schooler could have done. But you have a cheesy outfit with cheesy makeup and I would argue probably the worst acting in the movie. And that's hard to say when you're up against someone like Keanu Reeves that regularly gets made fun of 
for being an A-list actor that doesn't act. You know, he just kind of stands there and says his words. And he was so much more believable than she was. Admittedly, he did shatter us a lot. Overall, I just really didn't like the uh, fact that the real world was still a dystopian future. It kind of took away some of what they accomplished in the first one. And it was exposited to us that there was a machine civil war and some of the machines sided with humans. And that's cool and all. But, like, show me that movie. That sounds like a way more interesting movie. I don't even need Keanu Reeves. Sounds like a more interesting movie, and it also would have been something fresh. Whereas this was very not. You know, you had a whole lot of opportunities of things that they glossed over where it's like, oh, I want to know more about that. But instead, we get to hear more about how clever the writers think that their own movie is. And I think that's my biggest hang-up on the first act, is just how self-indulgent it is. And I'm okay with a little bit of that. I'm okay with a little bit of cheeky fourth-wall stuff. But it just dragged on forever. Probably what this podcast is going to feel like when you go and listen to it is like, why do they keep saying the same thing over and over again? And you know why I'm saying it over and over again? It's because... That's really what I walked away feeling. And if you stay tuned till the end, if you listen all the way to the end of this thing, maybe there's a prize for you there. I, uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe. But if we get into Act 2, you know, we've got Neo meeting Agent Smith meets Morpheus hybrid character. In the very beginning of the movie, you hear the word modal so much that you're like okay i'm gonna understand what this is but you never do understand what that is i thought it was a dwarf character <laughs> nice uh but then you're introduced to this agent character who tells you that he's morpheus but he's also built with some of the script of agent smith and it's like oh this is interesting i'm i'm into what this could actually be because that was one of the things that a lot of us were really interested in when we found out that uh lawrence fishborn wasn't going to come back and be morpheus we were like okay what's what this morpheus character is literally being billed as morpheus and then we get that line and it's like okay cool cool and then it just has never really touched on ever again that there's you know, agent involved in that. And I feel like that was a huge missed opportunity to really dive into more of the agent story. I think the idea was to power up the Morpheus character so he'd be more on a similar plane to the Neo character. I think that recasting the character makes sense in the uh, thread that in the Matrix, any actor whose character dies or, or gets like reincarnated as somebody looks differently other than well i guess even neo and trinity did uh anyway it fits with that but i think that they did a major disservice in both reusing so much footage of the original morpheus but also not explaining in the sequence when they're at the new human homeworld or, or new human uh, stronghold, not explaining Morpheus's death and like <clears throat> why he's so important that they built a statue of him. 
Like, I think that would have been more interesting to explore. Exposit to me about that. Agreed. We needed to hear more about him. Because he it died was... in the video game, and so that's why I wasn't surprised that they were recasting him. But then they didn't explore it very much. Asterix, I'll get into it more later, but I do like the way that he was able to interact with the physical world. When you go back and watch the first Matrix movie, the agents are terrifying. They've got Terminator vibes to a whole new degree, and you can tell that these real people that dive into the Matrix are terrified of them, and the audience gets to feel that too. But in this movie, you only really get to feel that for a few seconds before that just kind of shatters. And it's not because our characters get more powerful. It's because, well, for one, the scene that we learn about Morpheus is somebody running away from the agents and they successfully run away from the agents. And then we get to meet the analyst and we find out that the new method of hunting people down and using the system's power is like zerg mode zombie agents instead of yeah that was crap instead of superior programs that could just destroy everything in their path and become anyone you lose a lot of suspense, and if you're going to do a zombie movie thing, then commit to it and major lean into it. Because I could see a Matrix kind of agent zombie thing as working very well, and they just didn't do it here. They were more like disposable glob people. And they literally globbed them. But even awful. the scenes where it's like, okay, I'm going to take over this one person and make them shoot you, those weren't intimidating and those weren't scary because ultimately... They were just brainwashed meat shields. They never did anything cool. And so you've got, you know, the original Matrix world where this agent shows up and it's like, okay, a cast member's going to die. And then in this one, the entire city turns into these possessed zombie programs that literally kill themselves trying to get these real people. And they succeed in giving, like, one character a little bit of trauma because they broke her car. All the fights in this whole movie I found to be visually interesting, but totally lacking in any grit. Like, none of the... It's kind of like when you're having a dream and, like, none, none of your punches are landing and you can't really, like, move very fast or run very fast. That's what it feels like. And... Maybe that's the visually interesting thing they were going for, like you said, with the, the bullet time and, like, the flash. But it just makes the action sequences feel really empty. Like, the original Matrix, there was so much uh, gravity in every motion, and uh, it was very well choreographed, and it just felt like a kung fu movie where this just doesn't neo just does his lame force push thing every five seconds and that's all the action scenes and it's a lot of people falling through uh wood boards yeah the action never left me fearing for my characters I never had a side character that I got attached to that died. I never had to watch as a lovable character died for no reason. I never had to watch as Neo got beat to the 
very edge, you know, that line between life and death. And you're sitting there going, oh, no, are they going to gladiator me? We never, not even once in this entire movie, were worried for anybody. And totally agree. to me, no stakes. that is a huge miss. The Matrix, all three of the movies, not just the first one that was definitely better than all the other ones. Every Matrix movie, you had some level of, oh crap, who's going to die? How bad is this going to turn out for these guys? But in this movie, it was just la-di-da-di-da, I am a main character, and I'm going to win. Oh, look at that, the end of the movie? Hello, credits. And so it was just... Oh, wow. The, the entire cast wasn't necessary because Neo didn't need a team. And the one part of the movie that I know anyone who watched it would argue with me and go, yeah, they did need a team, was the Ocean's Eleven breakdown of the, okay, let's let's go and hijack Trinity's body, but we need her consent before we do it, but here's what this person's going to do, and here's what that person's going to do, and let's do this. You know, it's literally Ocean's Eleven um, heist going on, and so I get that they needed a team to do that, but let's be honest, this movie, Neo could have soloed the whole thing if they didn't intentionally give him uh, just the worst treatment ever. You go from being this, you go from becoming this god character to, I'm confused, force push shield, force push shield, force push shield. You know, it's like, the 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 neo of the first three movies would have walked straight through this movie and have been like snap give me my trinity i win hooray yeah no which he's I get, he's superman he he's got superman been a cyber really, goth superman cyber goth superman i like it and i get that that would have been a really boring matrix 4 a really really boring one and they had to figure out a way to nerf him so that they could get other characters to be relevant but the other characters weren't relevant no one was relevant in this movie. No it was one all just mattered. An excuse to make a franchise, to remake a franchise, and start another trilogy. But from what I've read, they have no interest in making more. That's so weird. Then why end it with them flying around like Superman again? Because they wanted to retcon it into Trinity being just as valuable as Neo. Which... I hated that whole Force Dyad, Trinity, and Neo BS. I don't care. Trinity can be more powered up. That's cool. I just didn't like the way it was in the movie. It just, it was lame. Like, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, by the way, you're part of the one too, because when we're together, we super create a lot of electricity for the droids, man. Yeah, I'm okay with her being super powerful. I'm okay with them wanting her to become the one and all that, but... When you go back to the original movies and you have so much emphasis in the one, the one, the one, the one, the one. Neo's not the one. Oh, yes, he is the one. He just needed to believe that he wasn't the one. And Neo can't be dead because Trinity's in love with the one. And, you know, there's just so much that made Neo the one. And now we find out that he can't be the one without the other one who is Trinity, 
and it, I don't know, it just felt weak. If you're going to change it, you know, make Trinity be the real one, and then she's like, I just never realized that I love myself. <laughs> you know, it's going to be like, okay, you're the one now, cool. But as stands, I think the Force... Uh, thing that you've referenced you know it was definitely some kylo ren and ray palpatine nonsense where it's like oh, okay you guys are just like your your code got mixed so uh i'm actually out of all my lame stuff and i'm on to my coolest um i have another lame one all right what's the other lame duck the costumes as a whole i know we made fun of niobe but overall, one thing that the original Matrix movies had was a consistent aesthetic. And I think that a lot of people went shopping at Hot Topic after the Matrix came out. And a lot of people were really into black and trench coats and sunglasses. And it was very on point. You could tell that these guys were cyber goth Superman's crew. <laughs> <laughs> and then... You get into this movie, and it just looks like a whole bunch of, I don't know, edgy, woke people, um, where it's like trying to create its own new, we're not grunge, but we're not goth, but we're not cyberpunk, but we're, you know, like, it's a whole lot of things, but not a, not a full image, and I felt like... It wasn't as visually compelling as the other ones where, yeah, I get it. Goth is over and, you know, black trench coats and leather isn't as, ooh, as the early 2000s. But I don't know. These people just looked random and it didn't really... Uh, work for me and i'm sure that a big part of that was that i wanted the matrix nostalgia to fit that image in my brain uh but in that same vein you know we get to see the frenchman again uh the i forget what his actual program name is the merovingian him and a whole bunch of the merovingian okay him and a whole bunch of you know the other outcasts show up and they all look stupid. <laughs> and, you know, the new Agent Smith, Mr. Babyface himself, he looks stupid too. And so maybe I'm just, you know, getting really negative, but everybody in this movie looked really stupid, except for, you know, John Wick in a bathrobe. So I've, I'm on to my coolest. So are we all ready to talk about some uh, happy things about The Matrix? I'm down to talk happy things about The Matrix. So all right. Because there was some stuff in here. I felt like a really big whiner during this negative section. <laughs> so I feel like one of the mistakes that this movie makes is it tries too hard to recapture the magic of the first movie, when instead I think they should have went and watched the Animatrix and either went, let's make one of these short stories into a movie, or they should have gone, let's make something that feels like it should have been an episode of the Animatrix. 
Okay, I never watched the Animatrix. Oh, the Not Animatrix once. is most excellent. I highly recommend seeking it out. It's like three or four little animes, and each one tells a different story in the Matrix universe. Let's see here. My my things that I thought was cool. The first thing is I really liked the change from an architect to an analyst. I thought that was kind of a clever inversion of the first one. How how the uh, the architect was the one who built the society that worked in this framework, where the analyst is more like he's just trying to control a few select people, and and it's more about emotions than uh, being a a smoothly working machine and he's like i actually get more power this way it is really stupid that the humans are all used to make electricity that i suppose goes in the the first half <laughs> but that was with the original matrix too and we loved that those movies right indeed and i mean even futurama used old people for electricity so clearly it can't be that dumb of an idea <laughs> But I really did like the working with the machines bit. I liked them as droid companions, even though it wasn't very much explored. I, I liked that idea in the world building. And the whole idea that there was like a, a machine civil war where some of the machines were like, no, we need to work with the humans now. And some of the machines were like, no, never. They're scum. I think that's very fascinating. And I would have loved to see that explored more. But at least we got to see programs in the real world. And that was really cool to see, the weird, like, magnetic buckyballs or whatever. And to go on a rant for a second here, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, it felt like a Star Trek episode when they go to the greenhouse and the weird, like, computer program is, like, is there doing botany with the botanist. I thought that was very cool, and I wish there was more of that. I feel like I can just say, ditto to your whole like rant right now. I don't know if that's concerning or not that you were able to so quickly sum up the things that I liked. <laughs> it's all that was good in the movie. Because you're right, the uh, little weird balls that make physical projections of programs, that was cool. And I, I do believe that a version of this movie could have been really cool if Neo's physical body didn't exist and Neo himself was one of those projections that came into the real world through the weird balls. I totally agree. And I actually, I have a surprise rant section for the end of this podcast where I want to go through a few bullets of my version of the Matrix story. Okay, okay. And then dun, I'll end dun, like, dun. So I I agree that your version's cool, but allow me to make your version better. <laughs> <laughs> you can but, do that in the next podcast. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh so <laughs> I think that um the analyst was a clever departure from the architect. It did take me a little while to get over it being Neil Patrick Harris, because, you know, I, I gotta love that guy and other things that he's in. And so incorporating him into this world definitely took a little bit of mind bending, but I was ultimately okay with it. And it was fun getting to see him be kind of serious and evil. Uh, I do think that the operators being in the Matrix 
like some weird VR overlay uh, was really cool. I liked that. I thought it was clever and definitely made it feel like a more engaged version of the operator rather than just pounding on some little keyboard and reading a whole bunch of scrolling matrix feed. But at the same time, the upgraded uh, operators are connected to one of the parts that I'm not particularly thrilled about with the Matrix, which was the throwaway of the analog world to the cellular world. I was looking forward to a little bit more of that being explained, where it's like, oh yeah, we don't need to use landlines anymore. We can do this anywhere. Boop! And you get to leave the Matrix. I really wanted there to be some like, so you know how the world's super advanced now and we were able to sell you on all this technology in this real world? Yeah, you still need to use a landline, which means that escaping from the Matrix is actually really hard now. <laughs> good, good luck. Or, <laughs> or, or if some... you're gonna if they're gonna escape over their mobile phones, then they could at least have Keanu go, Whoa. Whoa. You know, <laughs> Ted, Ted style. Um but I mean, like the cell phone thing could have worked and been like some, you know, yeah, you get to use the cell network. But the scary part of that is that it's actually really easy for the agent programs to chase you through. You know, like you, they could have done something, but instead it's like just this little one second line. We don't do that anymore. And that was just this one of the hugest restrictions of the matrix from the original ones. If they could have gotten out of the matrix just on a whim from anywhere in the original three movies, so many of the plot points wouldn't have happened. Yeah. It takes some stakes away for sure. For sure. And so, you know, like I, I love that the operators get to be a little cooler now, but at the same time, I'm a little bummed that the operators are cooler now. The dojo scenes that we get, I'm pretty sure we got to see that in the trailers. Uh, yeah, we did. I just opened up a trailer to look at it. I was kind of annoyed that there was the dojo scene overall, but I do feel that it had some of the better choreography of the whole movie. And I don't know if that is because it actually was better or if that I just really liked Morpheus's robe. Yeah, that scene, I was I was irritated, actually. That scene, I was like, oh, here we go again. They're going to train to fight martial arts in a dojo, aren't they? And then they did. And it was just because I could call it, and I'm honestly not good at calling stuff in movies. Now you get to sympathize with how I am in most movies. <laughs> just that. Called it, called it, called it, called it, called it. I enjoyed the, not the sequence with the abandoned programs, but I enjoyed the idea of the abandoned programs like the Frenchman and the other programs that were there and just the way he'd kind of lost everything and gone nuts. I thought that was cool. And I would like to see that explored a little better. Yeah. I, I would have enjoyed seeing more of those outcasts. One of the things that I really liked about the matrix resurrections was the trailer. Because <laughs> the tra if, if you go back and watch the trailer, it it's enough to give you a lot of hope. Like watching the trailer, I can get myself excited about the Matrix Resurrections, but I feel like the movie itself uh, let the trailer down. Next, we can get the Matrix Reparations, where they can make up for this crap.
yeah, that's pretty much all my all my likes. So now, unless you have anything else you want to add, I I'm going to go into a am. segment. Sweet. So just uh, sit back and listen. I can complain about this movie. I I can't compliment it. So uh, just just hear me out. So we're gonna go back in time to that hopeful time before the trailer even, and and this is my pitch for what they could have made with some of this stuff they were trying to do, right? Okay, so this is my pitch for what they could have made. What if, at the end of the third Matrix, Neo and Trinity are downloaded by the machines? Because the machines are downright fascinated at what they were able to do and what it means to be the one. Meanwhile, in the real world, it's evolving into this relationship between the humans and the machines where it's like a utopia. It's a utopia, and for design language to differentiate this trilogy, you could do all white machines with blue eyes or something like that, or green eyes, or ch change the eyes and change the aesthetic. So, meanwhile, in this program world, Neo could be a famous author or painter or some kind of artist who's retelling his trauma of his Matrix experience, right? Neo isn't real. Neo is just the download of his self when he died there. Uh, uh, he meets Trinity. You could have that very similar thing going where they recognize each other, but don't. The weird deja vu dreamlike quality. You can keep that. You can keep him being on meds from his therapist, and it can be a computer program trying to control him. Keep that in there. That's great. So the machines are doing this experiment not to create power, but some machines are doing this to explore what it means to be the one, right? Well, then for the third act, you can have maybe it's the uh, those renegade programs or those abandoned programs. Either they're in the system still, or maybe they hitched a ride on in Neo's mind itself. And you could have those outcast programs infiltrating the real world, this utopia, with the weird little buckyball magnetic people they turn into. You could have those guys infiltrating the real world and doing heinous things, and then do kind of the opposite of the original Matrix. And it's that Neo is a computer program. He no longer exists as a person. But you have to bring him out of the Matrix into the real world uh, to help with this problem. And uh, and in so doing, explore what it means to be the one. Explore what it means to be human. Um, that's my pitch. I would have uh, enjoyed the opportunity to watch a movie that attempted something like that. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you heard, check out Bored and Nerdy wherever you get your podcasts. If you didn't like it, why'd you listen to the whole thing? We hope you're a little less bored and a little more nerdy.